Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. My name is Jared Piles, and with me, as always, is Dr. Rob McDole. Hello, Dr. McDole. Hello. So this is part two of our previous episode on objectives, because assessments are so tied to objectives. Right. It's crucial that whatever you're aiming at, that you show evidence that you hit it. Right. So last time we used the acronym DRIVE, definable, results-oriented. It inspires your students. Um, It's valid. In other words, it actually fits with the content. And it's evidenced, right? So that's where we get to assessment. Assessment is all about the evidence that your students have actually achieved those things that you want them to think, feel, or do. So we've had lots of conversations over the years now because we've been doing this together for several years. I've been here for five and a half years yeah. now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been doing this business for over 20. So, but just for us, we've been having a lot of conversations about objectives and assessments. And so today we're really going to focus in on assessments. And I think you said something, you know, before the podcast, before we started that I thought was very interesting. And um, you said without a good verb... Your assessments aren't going to, you know, work well. Yeah, it goes back to objectives. That measurable verb is crucial, and that's why I spend so much time and hark on it so much to, I'm sure some faculty members are like, would you please stop talking about verbs? It's not just because I used to be an English teacher. It's because the measurable verb is so incredibly important, and the verb, I think, can be easily tied to the assessment. For example, if your objective, the verb you're using in it is learn, I want you to take that verb and put it in the assessment, like word for word, verb for verb, put it in the assessment in the directions. So for example, you say understand, I want you to put in there, I want your students to understand in your assessment. How are you going to measure just the verb understand in a measurable practical way i want you to show evidence of understand and so if you do i don't understand that question exactly (laughs) if you just stared at your students and said understand how would they respond they'd be like they would be like you confused right understand what exactly how measurable so let's take that instead of understand let's do identify we went we talked about the Objectives last time, identify key people and events from colonial to reconstruction in United States history. Mm -hmm. You take that identify verb and you put it into an assessment and say, identify key people and events within the Revolutionary War. And then you give them multiple choice. You give them matching. They are actively identifying. They're not understanding because that's very vague. But if you have them, if you tie your verb back to your objective and use it in the description of the assessment, 
use it in your questions, your assessment, that is ensuring that your assessment is tied to your objective. Which kind of leads to another kind of callback to objectives and why they need to be um, thought about is once you start getting to assessments, you're talking about identifying. Well, if I just provide you a list, you know, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, John Adams, you know, the list could go on. I just, I'm just identifying them. Right. Why are they key? Mm-hmm. You know, those may be, you know, identify and tell me why, why they're key uh, might be an assessment that you would, that you would use. Um, because you're not going to put in there the first guy that stepped onto the ship in Boston Harbor to throw the tea over, overboard because nobody knows his name. You may not know. Somebody may. Somebody does. That's probably true. <laughs> it's probably true. Someone knows it somewhere. But is that individual a key figure? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Right. There's some Boston Tea Party enthusiast right now <laughs> listening who's irate. Yeah, I just made somebody very angry. How do you not know who that person is? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Types of assessments. Formative. And summative. And summative. Would you like to explain them or should I explain them? I think you can explain them. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I love talking about assessments, and I mean that. I know you do. That's Sometimes my I... voice. You know, every every single episode of this podcast, I think of our good friend Eric Mishney, mm-hmm. who sat in this chair. I'm mm-hmm. pointing at it. You can't see because this is an audio podcast. Right. I'm pointing at this chair, and he told me to smile more. To Jared's left. To Jared, To my left, he says, smile more. And ever since then, I've thought, man, my inflection is probably terrible. I promise you, I am happy about doing this podcast. <laughs> Professor Mishney may not think so, but I am happy to do this podcast. Okay. All right. So there is formative and summative assessments. Let's right. go. Let's go back to the um, analogy of the road trip. Yes. Summative is the end destination. If you tell your students to drive to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. the summative assessment would be Cincinnati. Formative assessments are smaller, low-stakes assessments that you give along the way to the summative assessment. Right. So, a formative assessment on the road trip to Cincinnati, whereas if you were to give them directions and say, you turn left here, turn right here, turn left at McDonald's, you know, go straight for two miles, over the hill, turn left, just like you used to do before, with, before MapQuest. To existed. grandma's house? To grandma's house we go. Over right. the river, through, through the, the woods. woods, to grandmother's house we go, right? Yeah. If you think about, that's a, actually a great one because over the river and through the woods are your formative assessments. Grandmother's house is the summative assessment. That's Correct. perfect. Yeah. If dinner is at six at grandma's house and you're not there or you're there but someone else isn't there and you call that person, you go, where are you? They go, I'm lost. So then as any good person would do is, did you go over the river and did you go through the woods or did you go through the woods and then over the river because if you did the went you went the wrong way or did you go through the river and over the woods and then you're going to redirect along the way right right that's the goal of a formative assessment is to figure out okay well you you missed this part let's redirect to make sure that we are because we all want our students to end up at the summative assessment at the same time and excelling not only just there, but achieving what you want them to do and doing yeah. it well. 
I had a I had kind of a little brainstorm there as you were talking about that. You want me to go ahead and I mean I've already I've already shoved my foot in the door. So what if that that whole what you just said totally makes sense, but it also makes sense from the standpoint of like GPS things where they sit there and tell you your your turn is upcoming, right? They're always Preparing telling you, you what's coming up. Yep. Right? And I think when I think of formative assessment, as you were talking, that's what was coming into my mind was this idea of, hey, this is what's coming up. You know, there's a turn coming. You're going to have to turn left in a mile. Okay, now you got half a mile. You need to be in the left-hand lane. We're going to turn left. And sometimes we get a little frustrated with that voice. But at the same time, I think from a formative assessment perspective, that's what we're really talking about. Am, am I right on that? Or yeah, I, I would say so. I, I, I think it works. Yeah. I would think that a formative assessment would then be like, if you were to do that, I think a formative assessment, any assessment requires an action mm-hmm. on the learner's part. Right. So I think it, in order for that to work for yours, those little signals along the way would have to be like the GPS saying, do you understand that? Or what are you going to do in a mile? Mm. Turn left. Mm. Good. Check mark. <laughs> in a thousand feet, what are you going to do? I'm going to turn left. Good. You know. Something like that. I think that's where, because I think that, you know, I, I think what you're saying is good. I think that's important for when you're communicating with your students, hey, right. this assessment's coming up. Mm-hmm. But I think for formative, summative, it, I'll give you half credit. You'll give me half fine. credit. Yeah, oh, that's okay. fine. But see, that, that, that also underlines a very important part of assessment, and that is prompt feedback, which you just gave me. I did. I did. Yeah, I, that's another crucial part of it. I mean, especially with formative assessments, and I, I've said this so many times over my years of edu- in education, an instructor should not be surprised at the results of their summative assessment. That should not be a shock to mm-hmm. them. The formative assessments along the way are where you correct and where you praise and give feedback to make sure that when they when the students end up at the summative assessment, their summative assessment results are reflective of what happened during the formative assessment process. Mm. You should, as an instructor, you should not be surprised at the grades that your students are getting if you're on their summative assessment if you have been doing formative assessments along the way. So it sounds like what you're saying is if I have a midterm exam and I give that midterm to my students, yes. which is a summative assessment, and they all do poorly on it, that means I have not done a good job in my formative assessments leading up to that exam. That is correct. That is what I would say. I, would, I will put my foot in the ground for that. Wow. All I th- right. I think it's the summative assessment, again, should be a reflection on the formative assessment process. So I think we should probably talk a little bit about the formative because I know um, – we know what we're talking about, but a lot of people may not really understand. Well, what do you mean? Formative assessments are things that actually form the ideas that we're going after, the objectives that we're going after, whatever they, whatever we want them to think, know, or do, or, you know, think, feel, or do, excuse me. And in that, some of the tools that we like to use are like 
low stakes quizzes. Yep. Or um, interactive types of video that, you know, have questions and reflections. Uh, discussions where you put these main principles into a discussion, have an open-ended discussion about it. And, and if it's a good discussion, it'll be very verbose, hopefully, Lord willing, mm-hmm. and give you a lot of insight as an instructor as to what your class is thinking about, right? And so you can see what they've grabbed from the content that you've given them, either through reading or lecture or video or whatever, what have you. And then you can provide immediate feedback and say, oh, hey, you need to correct your understanding here. Right. Um, draft papers from your neck of the woods yeah. tend to be those types of formative things where you, you get them to get stuff out, even if they don't necessarily know all of you know, what they need to know. You can start informing them ahead of time based on something that they've already written. Right. You can say, you're going to need to watch out for this. Or you're yep. going to spend some time focusing on your use of, of adjectives or your use of adverbs. Mm-hmm. Um, your subject-verb agreement is off. You need to work on that. Very common one is citations and paraphrasing. There you go. That's a huge one. So I'm, I pay extra close attention to... MLA citation formatting, APA citation. The period comes after the citation. I don't know how many times I've said that in my <laughs> teaching. The period comes after the citation. And I say it repeatedly, and then I go, I guarantee someone's still going to mess it up. And every single time, someone still messes it up. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the formative, we like to say it's very low stakes. Right. It's an opportunity for students to practice without huge consequence so that they're ready for the Summative. We have another, we talked about another uh, analogy at, in our office to talk about practice versus game. Right. Practice is your formative assessment. It allows you to work out all the kinks, learn the new things, try it out without it being in a high stakes environment like a game is. When I um, used to coach throwing track and shot put and discus, I would never do any of the fine tuning that I would in practice while they're actually in the meet. You know, I did all of my fine tuning with them and I corrected all their uh, mistakes during practice. I never did that during a game because I, I wanted, or during an actual meet, because I wanted them to put into practice what it is they have been working on. I didn't want to distract them at that time. Mm-hmm. If you think it formative that way, it allows them to practice, get out all the kinks, get immediate feedback from their teacher, their coach, mm-hmm. their instructor, so that whenever they get to, the actual performance, they've literally been able to put into practice all they've done the week prior or whatever it is. And just perform. And just perform. Yeah. yeah. My dad used to say that he was an athlete through high school and into college a little bit. And he would say, the way you practice is the way you play. Yep. You know, I remember that growing up playing sports as a kid and whatnot, even into other things. It's like the way you practice is the way you play. So you got to fine tune it. And then I had another brother who said, perfect practice makes perfect. Not, hmm. you know, not just practice, not just perfect. practice. Uh, because you've got to fine tune that practice. You got to fine tune, you know, as you said, make those mistakes, correct those mistakes. And, and that in the environment where these, where this happens best is in a low stakes environment so that 
you don't have somebody's GPA mm-hmm. or their thought about their end grade, which may have a knock-on effect, especially if it's if they're taking a course that's not even in their chosen field, right? If that's not even their chosen major and it's a gen ed or something like that, and you still, as a teacher or a designer, want them to own this material because it will change their life. You want to see enduring change in their life from this material. But the problem happens when you make students make a choice between, you know, you provide them with that, and some would say, well, they just that's part of being an adult. I don't disagree, but even adults could benefit from a little bit of honey to sweeten the deal, so to speak. And I think that's where low stakes provides you with that ability to make errors and transgress, if you will, so that the corrections can come, but they come gently, right? They're not going to kill your grade. Right. So that way, when you get to the summative, you should be able to perform. I right. think is what we're, what we're saying. Right. The the key to all this is feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think also if we want to go even further back, I think this is servant teaching. Yeah. I think providing students with the opportunities to practice um and maybe mess up and fail, but at giving them a chance in a low stakes environment to make those mistakes, to just learn from them and to get better so that they're ready for the summative assessment. I think that's serving our students best. Yeah. As someone once said, I I don't know who it is, uh, and it kind of changed my leadership and and my service in my role, even with my family, was fail fast, fail often. Because you don't learn from success the way you learn from failure. And that seems kind of counterintuitive to me, because I'm at least – you know, my personality is I don't want to fail. Yeah. Right. I don't think anybody does. But if you can get your students to think, move, do the stuff that we've asked you to do and mess up because you're going to mess up. And when you do, it's okay. We're going to help you. We're going to provide you the feedback. And I want you to try hard. I want you to, you know, do the hard thing, do, do the painful things, do what's necessary in order to get better. And also something else that formative assessment does. Not only should you be giving feedback to your students, but it's feedback for you as an instructor to tailor your instruction to say, oh, man, the vast majority of my students did not grasp this concept. Yeah. I, can't, I can't move on. Why? I got to go, go back. And, that's why, yeah. you know, you talk about life polling. You talk about doing the clickers. Mm-hmm. Um, where's a whole bunch of – there's one called clickers that's actual cardboard cutouts that students can hold up. <laughs> They're incredible. <laughs> um, that there's meant to me, there's, there's a whole bunch of different polling things you can do during the class to say, yeah, that's completely anonymous. So you don't, Oh, Jimmy doesn't get it. Let's all make fun of Jimmy, you know, whatever. Um, not that I would ever do that. Not that I've done that before. I'm not admitting to that live on during a recorded podcast or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, but it allows again, that feedback loop, letting mm-hmm. you get that feedback and go, okay, well I got to teach this a different way or I've got to figure out what's going on here or you know, stuff stuff like that. So I think that's important as well. Yeah, so we've talked about designing assessments. Uh, there's different types, obviously. We've talked about formative assessment. We've talked about summative assessment. A lot of times that those things pop into the mind, I think, of most faculty, you know, quizzes, exams. Um, 
discussion boards most certainly are assessment types. Yep. Um, just any time you ask a question, you know, it could it could just be one singular question, maybe in a course announcement, you know, or you get them to do reflections, personal reflections, um, daily reflections, or weekly reflections. Those are those are also really good assessments, especially formative assessments. I would well, say. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we talked about feedback. Feedback being the thing that is most important because if if the whole purpose is where am I in comparison to what's being asked of me or what the goal is, and if you don't know that gap, you can't do anything about it. Right. So, something that's less than ideal is to have say discussion boards once a week, and you wait until the discussion, you know, you close the discussion and then three days after the discussion, you know, you grade it. And by that time, students are already done the next week's discussion, <laughs> you know, and then they find themselves trying to go back and like fix maybe, or if they even see it in time. So it's like, if it's going to be a knock on effect type of an assignment where it's good for them to know, from the get-go, it's better to make sure you get that stuff out sooner rather than later. It all goes back to like building the foundation of a house. Mm-hmm. You don't figure out halfway up the house that, <laughs> oh, my foundation's crooked. You want to know from jump. So that's why if if you're if, you're, if there are things in your course that build off of each other, yeah. but your students aren't grasping that lower level stuff, then there's no way they're going to be able to master or hold the house up or anything like that. Well, and that goes into an assessment strategy overall, right? So if you're not going to, if if you can't get the assessment done in a timely way, you may need to rethink your strategy. Yeah. Especially like you said, if it's scaffolds. <sighs> well, that was a lot for was. an episode. That's incredible. Hopefully so. nobody fell asleep during that time. <laughs> So that's going to do it. We're going to talk about instructional management next, which I think is a fancy way, a more higher ed way of saying classroom management because that felt too K-12 to me. So instructional management is what we're going to call it, and we're going to talk about that next. If you have any questions or comments on any of this, email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Be sure to like and subscribe and rate and review our episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And then check out Coffee Drops. We've got we to record one of those this week. Randomly, that they drop randomly throughout the week when we feel like we need to record something. I think we yeah. have a couple things lined up to talk about for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to do that. Anyway, that's going to do for us today. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.